Hello, welcome to Talking Bottom. This is the Series 2 Roundup, a sort of DVD feature episode, which is going to be a lot shorter. I was talking about things we've learned subsequently about Series 2 specifically, but all the bottom, really. I'm Matt Brooks. I'm Paul Tanzer. And I'm Anne Johnson. Yeah, and this is where we basically ring a final bit of entertainment out of Series 2, but hopefully talk about things that we've discovered or learned since then, or feedback that we've got from people. Since then, we've had Ed Bai as a guest on the show, of course. Where I think we've probably discovered a lot of things that Mm. we didn't previously know. Just talking about Series 2 in general, I really enjoyed the series. I really enjoyed talking about it. The feedback we got from people, clearly there's still a a lot of love for the show. Series 2 especially. There's a lot of talking points in various episodes. In terms of the show, Series 2 is where you get this sort of strong balancing act between the nihilism of Series 1 and the cartoon capery of series three i think it's hard to argue that this isn't the best series i don't think anyone would would say otherwise really yeah and they were really into the characters into the performances everything about series yeah. two was so very in the world of bottom yeah it had been perfectly executed both on screen and in the script mm. i think they absolutely were comfortable in the characters so are there any characters that debut in series two there's not are there Unless we call count like Chief Inspector Grobbler, things like that. So, so yes, there, there are there, there, <laughs> yeah. there are one-off characters who appear, but there's no one that they have who then comes back subsequently, is there? Mm-hmm. There's actors who they bring back subsequently for little bits, but any mm-hmm. recurring characters who are in this one who then come back in three, I think already appeared in one. So this is Spud Gun, Hedgehog, Dickhead. That's yeah. it. And oh, that's and it. and the uh, landlord. Oh, Mr. Harrison. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you miss him in yeah. Holy? Uh, so one bit, this isn't specific Series 2 stuff, a bit of news that um, one of my mates pointed out to me. There's a TV show, I think it's on Netflix, called History Roasts or something. It's basically, you know, like the celebrity roast type stuff, but with historical figures who are yeah. long dead. So I have Joan of Arc, things like that. Mm. And uh, Hitler is on there, and he's introduced as Adolf Elizabeth Hitler. Oh, really? <laughs> That's just obviously a reference to Bottom. Who, I, I, I'm not seeing it. Do you but, know who writes the show? No. Okay. Oh, well. <laughs> but a bottom fan, probably. Yeah. Nice little nod. I think the most exciting thing for us all was probably, as you guys said, interviewing Ed Bai. We were lucky enough. He was very kind to come down, granted us sort of two hours of his time. We just threw questions at him, you know, some annoyingly fanboyish and nerdy, some a bit more general. But we, you know, we were trying to add to the uh, knowledge sphere of bottom, you know, try and find out things that people didn't know. We didn't want to just ask kind of like general things that are easily Googleable. And I really think he came through, you know? Yeah, he didn't shy away from any of them, even if he didn't know. He just sort of said, yeah. I can't remember that. Yeah. And it was fascinating listening to so many of his stories. I'm yeah. sure there were more that we could have got out of him if we'd had more time. Yeah. I mean- but I think my favourite was probably the revelation that Rick, during the Gas Man episode and the fight, between the fu- like when Eddie's hitting with the firing pan and Rick's yeah. punching the gas man on the ground, that Tried Rick to... was actually trying to trick the sound yeah. man yeah, yeah, by like nice. grabbing his hand and rubbing it. Yeah, you yeah. know, it was all. It was that's yeah. why that scene was so long. I particularly love the story he told us about how the opening credits happened. Oh, he just um, came out of that right at the end, unprompted. We didn't even have a question about the yeah. opening credits. I think we've seen it so many times. Don't even think about that anymore. It's you true. Know? You just sort of take it for granted. Yes, and we were literally I, wrapping I, up. Yeah, and he just said, "Oh, while we're here, let me tell you the story." the credits absolutely thought that would have been a planned thing that they might not have necessarily written down every single but they would have said we'll sit on a bench and we'll do a little bit of a skit yeah so last when i watched the episode i was watching last night i timed the credits so the Mm. the credits come to 34 seconds 
And it's interesting that Ed said his original sort of vision for the opening credits was that it was just literally going to be that that sort of slow pullback shot where they're revealed mm-hmm. at that uh, sort of fake window. I think he said that's what they wanted, wasn't right, it? Right, right. And yeah. then when they looked at it, they said, oh, Aid said, oh, I don't think that's going to be enough. You know, we should probably do something else. The fact they went and then just went and improvised found the rest a bench, of it. And the, the bench is iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when you think of the credits, I think you don't necessarily think of that pullback shot. You think of them on the bench, messing around, hitting mm-hmm. each other, that kind of thing. And to find out the Rick disappearing bit wasn't done with a sort of an edit or a cut mm. or anything. It was literally Rick just all of a sudden just leaping out of the bench behind a bus. Mm. Just think, yeah. if if that hadn't have happened, I mean them finding the bench, what would Rick Mallow's tribute thing have been? You mean... It would uh, just been yeah. a plaque or something. It couldn't be yeah. at the bottom window or something. The bench is just yeah. such a good fit for... The tribute to him. Because when you go there, obviously there's still a huge outpouring of people who go and visit and make pilgrimages to it. And Mm, you actually, having been there, you do sort of think, why did they choose here to film it? It's in the middle of a traffic. (laughs) It's just a traffic island where the bench is. Like, so it actually does make more sense that they literally just found it on the day Mm -hmm. rather than it was planned. Whenever maybe they didn't pay the uh, fees, the location fee. Oh, (laughs) Hammersmith Council didn't get a location fee. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I pass there, there's always usually. Um, some ribbons tied to the bench, some flowers on it, you know, maybe a letter with a poem on it, so that kind of thing. And also, one of the main images that you often see now every year when, very sadly, the anniversary of Rick's death rolls around, is someone has screen-grabbed the part of the opening credits when Eddie is looking round mm. and yeah, Rick isn't there. Missing, yeah. And that's become a sort of slightly touching, you know, heartfelt tribute mm. to it. And as you're right, Matt, like, if they hadn't done that, what would the, what would, what would the focus of grief around Rickby the window or a flat somewhere which that obviously is impossible yeah in terms of a location in Hammersmith there was at the time of Rick's death talk of there being a statue in his birth yes place. Rick Mel was born in Harlow in Essex but right. at the age of three he was moved with his family to Droitwich Spa in Worcestershire so okay. he grew up there so he right. grew up around there and okay. he has okay. a lot of love for the Midlands Right, okay. I think that's where the whole Kevin Turvey kind of, like, Redditch kind of love comes from. So something else that happened recently, we didn't win, but we found a eBay posting of a Rick Mao treasure trove of random weird stuff a lot, a lot of personal stuff yeah. and a lot and a lot of business showbiz stuff as well so loads of photos some scripts some like lps of bad news things like that well have you got a list of what what the stuff was actually? oh god uh, go through that i can tell you that amongst the hall there was actually there was rick's original gold disc from living doll that you oh know, the okay the coming that was released yeah mm-hmm. that's amazing yeah uh, as well as that, there was a load of scripts from Bottom and other shows. I think there were some paintings that Barbara had painted. Yeah, and there was a lot of... What's p- happened? Who owned all that? You know, what, why mm. did they have that? It was in a lockup, something like... There's some, there's something behind the scenes there that's happened. So, Someone's got that and now he's passing it on. You've got to think it was either given away in some sort of charity kind of auction or something at one point, or that literally mm-hmm. they've had a clear out in in the in like Nintendo Towers as uh, Rick used to call <sighs> it, right? I I think that either they or someone in the family ha- had taken possession of this stuff and had it in storage. And a bit like in the show Storage Wars Maybe the bill on it hadn't been paid, so therefore the company that owns the storage unit takes possession of all the things in there, and then what they do is they 
they flog them mm. off in an auction. And in this instance, usually if you sell off a job, a lot of stuff, it doesn't go for very much because most of it's sort of tatty junk. In this instance, someone had a look through it, saw and twigged that it was a load of Rick Mail memorabilia and made sure that they use the appropriate words on their eBay listing. Sure. And that enabled them to flog it for a for well, 2000. Much, well, well, hang on. No, I was going to say, um, well, the three of us all went in and with a limit of £1,000 as high as we were going to go. Collectively, we were like, we it, can push to that. I think it, I think in total it went to it went for something like 2800 The guy that won it then went and sold <laughs> some stuff individually. Yeah, the, the guy that won it, he's broken it up into individual bits. He posted things like the gold disc on eBay for 1500 and scripts he put them on uh, to be bid upon and photos he's put them on as well. So I think he either is making or will make his money back. And we've got some of them. We've got some of the original scripts. One of which was Culture, and very pleased to be owning that. Another one we got was episode three of series one. Which is called Bottom Apocalypse. But originally... It's in that contest, series three. It's, it's episode four, isn't it? Oh, right. Well, on, yes. the, on the front of the script, it says episode three. So. Well, that would be because okay. of the mix of the pilot. contest was meant to be one, wasn't it? But yeah, they yeah. contest. Okay. So okay. there we go. Okay. A... Yes, you're right. That was episode three. But the reason I made that mistake is because on the front of the script that we got is the title Bottom, Episode 3, The Death Bottom. That was the working title for Apocalypse. The title of it is The Death Bottom. It begins in the fairground, starts in fairground. Eddie and Richie are having a fun day out. They are at the shooting gallery. It starts the fairground. That's what it says. Okay. Page 1, Scene 1, Fairground. Oh, starts okay. in fairground. Eddie and Richie are having a fun day out. They are at the shooting gallery. Eddie is twirling the rifle round and round on his finger... <laughs> And shooting at all the prizes instead of the targets. Richie is in a fabulous mood. There's Richie's line, blaze away, Eddie, blaze away. That's all pretty much as it was filmed. Stuffs his money back, but then... Does he say he's inherited money from... All right, I'll, yeah, I'll do the line. Blaze away and enjoy yourself, Eddie. We deserve a little celebration. Auntie Olga's dead at last. 600 smackers to do whatever we like with. 300 right here, waving it about. And 300 more on top of the bathroom cabinet that's, where nobody else will find that's it. That's exactly as it is. That's interesting, because that line sets up all the stuff that you understand. Oh, someone's died, he's inherited money. But mm. I guess, so I guess that was a pickup then, yeah. or an additional... They, stuff. they added they a lot. They decided it'd be much yeah. more fun to have him finding oh, no, out they... she's died on yeah. the phone. Sure. Yeah. So the next bit is <laughs> prick up all over the fairground. Richie stuffs the money back into his wallet. Sorry. Richie stuffs the money into his wallet, which he then stuffs into his back trouser pocket. It is immediately stolen. <laughs> the man from the shooting gallery comes up to Eddie. That's five quid you owe me for your shots to date. Five, five pounds. Five quid. Mm. Yeah. I haven't got five quid. Don't worry, Eddie, I'll get this. Oh, I love you, Romany types, with your legendary campfire hospitality yeah, okay. and your great insistence on settling bills immediately. Realises his wallet's gone. And, right, so what I want to know is the Jippo line, is that there? The next line is, you bastard Jippos, someone swiped me wallet. Mm. Okay. Yeah, likely story. Come on, you owe me five quid. Five? That's so <laughs> odd, isn't it? It doesn't sound right at all. Uh, didn't you hear what I said? I've just lost £300, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was you that stole it, you swarthy thieving nomad. Either you or one of your slippery deformed half-brothers. That's all the same, isn't it? Yes, yes, I know what you jippos get up to when the lights go out. Extended family, it's just another word for a sexual free-for-all. Well, you're not in Romania now, butler. I'm going to go get the police. He makes to go. The man picks up a gun and turns it on Richie. Richie immediately sticks his hands up. You're not going anywhere until I get my five quid. And by the way, I'm from Stepney. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, hang on, hang on. Look, give me one more shot at getting the £5 star prize and Why? we'll make it double or quits. <laughs> and apropos of nothing, I'm from Hammersmith. Man, all right then, Eddie. Okie dokie, here we go. 
Good luck, Eddie. Eddie takes carefully and then shoots the man in the eye and shouts, Run like buggery! Nice. Big burly men appear from nowhere, but in the confusion that follows Eddie and Richie, they nip into a gypsy tent marked Brenda the Ballgazer. That was always oh, there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In the first draft. So is this the first draft, do you think? You know what? I don't think it was. I think this this is probably what they had as they were pro- as they were going into rehearsals, you know? Mm. Okay. Although that works. That sets up everything you need to know for the episode. Mm. Tonally, that's like manic right at the start. So maybe mm. that's a more gentle way of easing in, yeah. finding out that, that, it, that and seeing the family life. Well, just alluding to more of the family life. He's weird, 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 weird weird upbringing that you uh, hear little bits mm. and pieces of, you know? It's an interesting sort of look into their process, isn't it? That if that was their original beginning for the episode, Mm. at some point they've maybe sat down for the read-through, they've shown it to Ed directing it. Someone somewhere has gone, we need something else before the actual fairground. Okay, what do we do? We'll put a scene that introduces the death of her and the getting of the money and that kind of thing. In general, sitcoms will start with the characters where you're familiar with them right okay where you're used to seeing them yeah so i also wonder whether maybe they decided to start in the flat right and then have the fairground yeah because it's a location in a half hour show like generally speaking they'll always go on a journey and you'll start where they always are and they'll finish where they always are it's interesting you say that because the only two episodes i can think where they don't start in the flat are the only two episodes where the entire episode takes place in mm. that location. There's no other episode that starts, for instance, in the Lamb and Flag and then goes to the pub or anything. Oh, actually, um, there's Parade as well. Yeah. That starts in the oh, police lineup. Oh, you bastard. Yeah, all okay, yeah. all right. But that's not in the flat at all, is uh, it? You're right, that, that one, there's mm. no flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so it's interesting, the process that obviously they've gone through in writing it, because that's a great energetic start. Yeah, and yeah. all you do need to know is, oh, they've inherited some money from, from yeah. Auntie Olga, who's dead at last. But it's so I would, I, it's it's a weird thing to imagine that they wouldn't have had that phone conversation. Yeah. With, have you checked the body yet? And all of the fun yeah. that they have with that and Eddie spreading the bills about strategically. Like yeah. That's one of the best scenes in Apocalypse. It's a really strong opening to an episode, yeah. isn't it? Sets yeah. it up really well. Lots of good gags, good performances, and it's f- strange to think that we might never have had that seen mm-hmm. in the episode at all really interesting but that's series one yep. this is the series two roundup <laughs> what can we talk about series two that we've learned i don't think we've really got much this this episode is a bit of filler well so one thing i did want to say to both you guys actually uh, points that i really did genuinely enjoy through series two was angela your comparisons of bottom to step and son i did find that very interesting and I, it sort of made me go away and uh, look at Steptoe and Son a bit closer um, mm. and things like the Galton and Simpson uh, shows that happen and those kind of things um, just to try and get a, you know, just to see if there's any sort of connections I can make between the two. I think Aid kind of alluded to these in um, interviews he did recently. Mm-hmm. And Matt, separately, I genuinely found the, um, I genuinely, genuinely found the Waiting for Godot, Beckett oh, yeah. comparisons mm. really interesting. Yeah. And we really enjoy all your questions. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. No, I absolutely agree. The waiting for Godot link with Bottom mm. and looking at Beckett because none of us are experts mm. on Beckett. So it's it's definitely good to explore the influences that Rick and Aid have gone through. And yeah. obviously we'll never live that <laughs> because no. we, we don't have the same knowledge. But yeah. I love watching Steptoe and Son and thinking about how they must have watched that when they were younger yeah. and that influenced them. And, and I absolutely love Steptoe and Son as much as I love Bottom in some ways. I mean, Bottom is my favourite because that's my childhood show. Yeah, but yeah. when you then go back and see how 
the British humour's kind of evolved. I mean, I love Python and so many shows that went before I was born. Mm. And I hate it when people say, oh, I wasn't alive then. Why would I be interested in so <laughs> yeah. many things? And it's like, well, no, there's, well, there's a journey that you go on. Well, people say that yeah. about the Beatles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm alive there, so I won't listen. There was, there was an excitement sort of growing up, discovering things that had gone before that you kind of think like, you at the time you feel like, oh, no one else knows about this. And then you mm. realise, oh, no, wait, the rest of the world does know about the Beatles and Faulty Towers and I'm Monty Python. I'm just discovering it. Yeah, and yeah. what's lovely is, I have to say, obviously, Bottom, it's nearly 30 years old. Yeah. And there are kids now that are discovering Bottom in the same way sure. that we discovered it, even though it was of our time. Yeah. And parents introducing their kids to Bottom. And I've often said, if I, ever have, if I ever have kids and they don't like Rick Mail, then I will have them adopted. <laughs> I will. Yeah. I, I don't think I could get on with my kids if they didn't have the same humour as yeah. me. And that's why, of course, you do, because your parents show you the shows that they loved and you should share a sense of humour if you're brought up on that. It's so important to show kids good comedy from a young age. My mum told me about young ones actually because mm. i was already into bottom so oh, we should watch this thing yeah so show your kids bottom yeah and the tv show but i i see it on a lot of the facebook kind of fan groups people showing like there was there was one i mean i have no idea who it was but it was like a little kid in the cupboard and they were just like having a laugh about that and like it's just so <laughs> delightful that it's like a seven-year-old kid like shouting yeah. in the cupboard or whatever from upstairs <laughs> and all that kind of fun apparently kids have been like told off by teachers for quoting bottom in the classroom and really i got grounded for <laughs> quoting bottom to my friend and was banned from seeing her and things like that like i genuinely I love that there's still anarchy running through the veins of so many people that watch bottom or the young ones or any of rick or age shows I genuinely, at secondary school, got bollocked by a teacher because, and I only said this because I was trying to make my friend laugh, but I, gen I told the teacher, you are funnier than Jonathan Ross. <laughs> and that went down like a shit sandwich. <laughs> Bet it did. Yeah. But yeah, I was just I was just nicking a line from the previous night, you know. It was brand new then, was it? Uh, I, well, you know what? Well, oh, what series was that? Two. Yeah, uh, mm. 92. Yes, that would have been very recent. Yeah. yeah. I think we're scraping the barrel here a bit, aren't we? <laughs> have we got any more? Let's, uh, let's well, go through some emails. Oh, yes, we've had loads of fan mail. All right, so here's a couple of emails. Here's one from Edward Thomas. Hi there. First and foremost, thank you for so much for the podcast. Wasn't sure exactly how entertaining an episode-by-episode -episode analysis of a comedy series would be, but I absolutely love your approach. A great dynamic between the three of you with a lot of insight and humour on your own. Have left you a five-star review on iTunes. Secondly, your episode on gas does not seem to be playable either on iTunes or when downloaded off of it. Thank you so much. Well, I'm pleased to say we've since fixed that download problem, <laughs> and anyone else listening should definitely leave us five stars on iTunes. <laughs> okay. Here's another uplifting email. Hi, guys. Found the podcast this week. And love it. Listen to nothing else in my car all week, driving around in stitches. Anyway, inspired to look at some more detail behind Bottom, I noticed there was a two and a half year gap between the airing of, of episodes five and six in series two. In fact, Bottom's out didn't actually air until after the end of series three. I was only ten at the time, but can't remember why, but it may be something worth exploring and discussing in the series two podcast. Well, I'm very glad to say we did discuss it, and it's because a woman was horribly murdered on Wimbledon Common. Glad to clear that up. Glad to clear that up. Don't think Rick or Ray did it. <laughs> the murder yeah, yeah no. they, I'm, they weren't I'm culpable sure they in any way I'm sure they've murdered no one or actually <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe a murdered Rick right here's another email uh, this is from a guy called Jack Bond hi guys really enjoy the podcast and thanks for making them the commercial breaks you do are a nice touch just a quick query you say in burglary that there's a slightly racist bit which bit are you referring to well, cheers, Jack. That, uh, the bit we're talking about is when Eddie says, uh, do your worst, you slightly eyed fiend. I'll never talk. You know, it's, it's like a prisoner of war thing from uh, World War II is what he's alluding to. 
the the word slanty eye. Yeah, fiend. that's what they're yeah. describing the shape of an eye of a person oh. of a different race. had a nice email from david joseph who said love the podcast literally cannot express my love for what you foxy stoats are doing keep up the good work with insightful knowledge and observation as a lifelong bottom fan it's refreshing to find out some areas of bottom that i hadn't noticed before along with all the further background knowledge on the show so some people enjoy listening to our knowledge and yeah. over analyzing it mm-hmm. to fuck don't they <laughs> yeah, sure Another email from uh, Kim Brooks. Oh, that's, what's my mother's name? That's weird. It's uh, Matt, your dad's died. That's weird. I don't understand that. Okay, well, thank you for the email. And uh, we'll... Uh, <laughs> thanks for the podcast. One here from Claire McNaughton. I'm a huge Bottom fan, so I'm loving the podcast. Was just wondering if you're going to do the Bottom live shows and the oh, movie. fucking hell. Every time... <laughs> right, yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> As for some, we, we're asked this all the time. The oh, first episode wait. opened with saying we're going to do every bloody episode. Sorry, the next one is from Rick Grimes. <laughs> Hi, Bottoms. Rick Enjoy- Grimes, is that a real name you think? Uh, That's a pseudonym. I think so. Enjoying your podcast very much so. Will you be doing a Guest House Paradiso special? Yes, we will. Yes, we're doing well, every. So we're going to do things that aren't bottom oh, as well. Also, we're going to do it all in order. Yeah. Also, one of you, I wonder which one, just compared Richie to an idiot Brexit racist or something along those lines. Telling tongue in cheek, I'm sure, but let's not get political. You'll alienate your law-abiding, equally promoting, Brexiteering, knuckle-dragging, skinhead racist listeners, etc., etc. I added those last. I bits. see. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. That's that's really. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the thing is, Rick and I were political and they it's a send-up of things so to say that bottom's not political is you're missing the point a bit or you're missing a lot of subtext i think if you don't mm. see the politics in it there yeah. is politics in it like you feel sorry for richie more because he's sad a lot but then yeah. any time he's given some sort of opportunity to to better his life he fucks it up himself and like he's deeply racist and classist sexist and eddie is a violent drunk they're not nice people, but it's, you know, it's their characters. It's fine, but characters don't mm. have to be nice people. Again, Ed Bain did have some, he had some great stories about Alan Yentob and how it was commissioned and all that kind of thing. The story about how they cut out Rick's premature ejaculation when Helen Lederer was in front of him. The, you know, we just had to cut back and make it obvious that he'd come in his pants. Well, so that that was, a was a great taste, story. That was a taste thing then. Like yeah. that, yeah. What's it, the practice of standards? What's the term? You know, just the sense of yeah. had said that wasn't yeah. appropriate. He's alluded even to because he has to still come, yeah. hasn't he? Because he says, oh, it, just get it. Yeah. it's not specifically shown. Well, it wouldn't have had a close-up of his belly. They, yeah. obviously, yeah. they obviously cut out something that very of obviously... making a Rick noise yeah. and face. It would have been all in the face, wouldn't it? It would have been the way he was playing it. Could he aim that high? The curling of the lip, you know. But he's come in his pants because he says, I think I need to change my pyjama yes. bottoms, yeah. doesn't he? So it's very obvious what's yeah. happened, but not but visually. I, well, when I was little, I thought he'd shit himself from oh, fear. Oh, right, okay. What else have we got on the emails? We've got a lovely email from Ian Webster. He says, hey guys, I've really been enjoying your bottom podcast on spotify and while i can't see you i'm sure you all have smashing blouses on we've never had that quoted (laughs) before nor since oh man we're we're being cunts to everyone we are we i'm listening to your podcast about sout 
and you're criticising the set design. There have been some gripes about props and things looking fake, and there's a little thing that I think you're all neglecting to take into account, and that is that it's only been since the advent of digital broadcast and everyone having HD TVs and all the programmes being remastered that you'd notice all this stuff. No, no. On old CRT TVs with bad contrast and sometimes bad reception... Plus, a lot of the episodes watched on VHS, you wouldn't notice the crapness no, of the sets. I, I, Just thought I'd point that out. <laughs> okay, I disagree with that because they. Because I see his point, but yeah. Of course, you disagree with that. The shows weren't shot on HD cameras because HD cameras didn't exist at the time. So therefore, it's not like the cameras were 4K quality, and now and now the thing we're viewing them through is only just catching up. So were they shot on video or film? Because I think some be, of the TV would be video. But like uh, American TV shows. They would still they'd have like studio cameras, but they'd be running film through them. Oh really? Still. Okay. So yeah, I think it, but BBC I think do video. I don't know. Regard no, I yeah, it's it's a fair point of the the television quality being a bit better. Maybe there's certain things we're maybe noticing now. Just being able to pause things and going back freeze frames and stuff. When you used to pause them on VHS, you know they did all that static be dancing snow around. Yeah. yeah. yeah not quite uh, yeah so yeah, you know but this is what this podcast is about talking about it yeah so yeah. yeah we're not slanging it off wanking was made a lot easier by the invention of dvds wasn't it you know yeah. rather than like you're a trash well you pause the episode you're a trash well you get you know, the hole in the middle of the dvd <laughs> yeah just, just the right size was it to it. slip through <laughs> well Brilliant. you know it was right well, to pat, pat it out with a yeah. few more other things so it, it was too big <laughs> Well, anyway, thanks, Ian. I, I have to say, I, I, I've never really been bothered by the fake-looking props or anything because it is a comedy show. Yeah. And, and that adds to the charm. We were, we were only criticising them in, in an affectionate way, anyway. It's because we've got, as you say, we're, we're, talking, we're talking bottom. Okay. Talking uh, arse at the moment. Sure. Ed also mentioned and kind of confirmed that there was a crossover in terms of casting between Bottom and Red Dwarf. Yeah. He and Aid and Rick all cast bottom they didn't get a casting director yeah. or anything and so they obviously had robert llewellyn lee corns and paul bradley on the casting couch themselves <laughs> now um i'm sure you guys agree i could have quite happily spent twice as long talking to ed by mm. about red dwarf as well yes another show that i grew up loving so to have had the guy who directed two of your favorite shows mm. was fantastic Mm-hmm. We weren't too sure in the burglar episode as to whether they'd actually got the burglar on the roof or how they'd done this oh, right. the yeah. sellotape. Yeah. And it was that they'd actually strapped a guy up there. Yeah, obviously not with sellotape, but they No, with like some kind a, of rig. Yeah. yeah, they built a section of ceiling and harnessed him up to it, covered him in fake yeah. sellotape. Because I thought that looked very genuinely like someone strapped to a ceiling and you guys were like, nah, oh, they'll have yeah. had him on the floor or they'll have his head poking out from something and it'll look <laughs> yeah. like it's the ceiling. It's like, no, no, yeah, we That's just what we, did. Yeah. We put him on the ceiling. Then we ran around it in the 90s. There was one thing that occurred to me about the show through this series, and this does apply to all three series, Okay. which is Richie-related. And if you guys have already figured this out, then you're way ahead of me, but mm. it just suddenly dawned on me like a kind of bolt of lightning. You know Richie always has his belt missing through a loop at the front? Mm. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because I worked out why it is, at least why I think it is. No. I've not no, ever I considered why on. it is other than that he hastily right. put it through and lay it I th- out. I think it's so it's missing at the front, so it's through the back ones to keep his trousers up, uh-huh. but at the front, it's so he can put his hand down his trousers easier and, mm. and have a little jostle. 
I yeah. think it's a little thing about him wanking. Maybe. It's actually practical. Yeah. Maybe. Whereas well, he kind of pulls it up over the pants, isn't it? So the belts are over the pants yeah. Which, as well. And so, in, so the front of the trousers, of the jeans, are always like a bit loose. So he could get his hand down there. What do you think? I think that could be a very, very astute observation. Now, mm. but I wasn't sure, am I like late to the party with this? Am I going to say this and you guys go, well, obviously, you know. Well, that makes sense. Okay. That's nice. There's, you know, having little character details in costume uh, I, I think mm. that's yeah. not something odd that beyond them at all I think yeah. it very could very possibly be true and also it's a visual thing of seeing Mate. you know you don't see the back more you see the front but, but yeah no I, I, I like that theory that it makes sense yeah. it's very in character makes sense when you think about it doesn't mm. it sure so we don't know the date but we'll be back later this year most likely for series three of talking bottom where we'll be talking about series three of bottom and then we'll do the live ones and the film and other stuff. Are we? So we we've already done live. We've we? done yeah, live one, but we yeah. haven't done. There's five live ones, so we've got yeah. two so to five. Are we doing the live shows and the and the film? Nah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, hope you enjoyed series two, and we'll be back soon with series three. And if you've got any more emails and questions that you want read out months and months and months later, <laughs> please email us or at us, whatever. You know, we're at Talking Bottom on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And our email is 11mafikingparade at gmail.com. That's their address. It's a nice little reference. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.